Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Blog Talk Radio. Welcome back, my friends, to the show that never ends. We're so glad you could attend. Come inside, come inside. There behind the glass, there's a real blade of grass. Be careful as you pass. Move along, move along. This is especially telling this welcome back, my friends, to the show that never ends, because on Seth and Sean Sports Radio, we are welcoming back Seth who happens to be back from the doldrums of April 15th or April 18th this year. And tax season is now over. He has come up for air. He has now seen his son for more than 30 seconds while he walks in the door. He might have a couple of guests on the NFL draft that we're going to do tonight. Hello, my friend. Welcome back. Well, let's be fair. I tried to call in to last week's show, and it's good being back. Um, but by the time I called on, you were off because you had no voice. Yeah. Yeah. But yes, I am slow. I am slowly coming back to, um, to civilization, to my reality. Typically it takes about three weeks, um, for me to actually get back to being a hundred percent myself. My partner, on the other hand, is fine the next day. So God bless him, but I'm still a little bit broken and, you know, even going away for a couple of days this weekend, still a little overtired, a little beat up, but as excited as always to be back on the show, excited as always to be talking NFL draft. And, you know, there's obviously quite a bit has gone on over the last few weeks, you know, where I have been unable to partake, but, you know, it's a good time. You have NBA playoffs, NHL playoffs, NFL draft, baseball is going, well, maybe not for the Mets, but it's going pretty well for everybody else. Um, and the rest is what it is. So, on a miserable, miserable, miserable day in Hoboken. <laughs> oh, well, it's a miserable day on the East Coast. Up and down the East Coast, baseball games have been postponed due to rain. So, an absolutely miserable day for sports. If you'd like to call in 760-283-0846, 760-283-0846. And I will tell you right now, Seth, I'm not sure you listened to the show two weeks ago. But the fact of the matter is, I am on a roll. And the reason I'm on the roll, and this is a perfect show for today, is I could not do any worse than I've done in my NHL preview in the playoffs. Because I had <laughs> Blackhawks winning the entire thing. And not only did the Blackhawks have no shot of winning the entire thing, they couldn't even they win the game. game. So, yeah, I can't get any worse than I've been. Uh, I talked a little bit about the NBA playoffs last week. I did not pick a winner. Uh, I didn't get through all the – look, last week was an interesting week, to say the least. And so no voice, no show. It just goes on that way. It's nice to have a co-host back where I can play off of each other. So here we are, NBA playoffs. 
man, the Celtics looked awful for two games when they played against Rajon Rondo. And now that he's been subjected to the bench with a broken wrist and relegated to tripping people along the sideline, it seems like the Celtics have come back. I think, you know, when I look at, when I look at this the Eastern Conference, and for years it's been, a, it's been supposed to be a walkthrough for Cleveland, and I was really hoping it wasn't going to be this year. And they didn't look particularly impressive against Indiana. I mean, you win, they did sweep, but they won four games by 16 points. Um, and I didn't think Boston would be, be giving them a game, per se. But I did think Boston would get out of the first round. And they've had a lot of trouble with Chicago. As you said, they lost the first two at home. I guess they've won the, first, the last two on the road. Um, you know, we've said they are, they are not – you know, not only are they not – it's an amazing accomplishment that they've been a one seed, but as good as Isaiah Thomas is, and he's been simply sensational the last couple of games, and this is not a team that is at this point – this is not a playoff – this is not a championship caliber team. I wouldn't take them to be any higher than the fourth. I would give them the fourth best odds to win the conference. And, you know, I, I look – you know, if Chicago was held – I mean, ifs don't matter – I do think Boston wins this series. I would think Washington would beat Boston pretty easily, except Washington's losing. And Cleveland is just sitting back saying, geez, you know, I didn't want to play Washington particularly, not that they're scared of anybody. They may not beat Atlanta. Toronto is having fits with Milwaukee, but we're going to beat Toronto anyway because they're Toronto and we're Cleveland. And, you know, Boston doesn't scare us. So... You know, an Eastern Conference, which I was hoping was going to be something more than just a walkthrough, I get the sinking feeling is just going to be a walkthrough. Well, if nothing else, Cleveland is definitely resting up. <laughs> <They'll have> their, <laughs> I mean, they should have all their guns in a row ready to go. If you're a Knicks fan, you're loving this. And I say that as a Knicks fan, where I'm hoping that the Knicks can then go and trade Carmelo Anthony to some team that does not have enough firepower, hopefully one up on 95 into Boston. I was really hoping for, for a Bulls win. Although without Rondo, it looks like they slow down and they're just not there. They're not going to get to that point. But who knows? I mean, you never really know in the NBA. The only thing that you know is that they will definitely be in Cleveland. <laughs> I have no doubt about that. So, I mean, you look through these conference, these first-round playoffs, and you wonder, I mean, look, they start in April, they end in pretty much July. So it's almost two and a half to three months of playoffs. And there's really, I mean... <sighs> You, you, it just, it just seems. You know, it, I guess I can't complain. The series have been close. I don't know how well played they've been, but they've certainly, other than Memphis San Antonio, which has just been fantastic to watch, other than the one game uh, where San Antonio blew them out. But it is everything is close. It's, it's you know, Utah, LA is close. It's two two. San Antonio is two two. Um, I'm missing the other. 
uh, Houston, Oakland, Oklahoma could very well be 2-2 two, two or 3-1 in the other direction. You know, it, but you see these two top teams have just kind of just separated themselves, and now with a nice walk, walk a nice weight for both of them. You know, it looks, you know, it looks like we, we could be looking, you know, at the throw in Manila. We could be looking at, you know, part around three. And, you know, that's what we expected. It was kind of, we were, hope, were hoping, we still are hoping, there'll be some real competition along the way, but I'm not really feeling that at this point, and I'm not sure if you are either. Well, I'm loving the fact that Memphis is putting up a fight, and I love watching them because they are the definition of a team that has changed their way. They're still the Bruisers. But last summer, Dave Fitzdale, the new coach who came from Miami, said to Marcus Gasol, I want you to shoot more three-pointers. Marcus Gasol, the center, the seven-foot center, who shot 43-pointers all of last season. He shot over 200 this year. And they have but become made, a he's made a nice percentage of it as well, though. Yeah, and they have become a different team they become Mike Conley's team more than anything else. Mike Conley, who earns yes. the most money in the NBA, has the richest, excuse me, the richest contract in the NBA. And that's for salary cap and, and years reasons, because if LeBron had maxed out, he would have that. But for anybody that watched that game this Saturday night, it must have been Saturday night, Conley took over that game. Conley was incredible. Him and Leonard were going back and forth, and we all we all recognize how good Kawhi Leonard is. But I think it's now become apparent how good Mike Conley is as well. And it's nice to see that. Yeah. And it's something that was not expected. I mean, everyone has known that Mike Conley is a nice player. And that's the definite. You know, he is a good player. I don't think anyone knew, other than the people who really follow Memphis Hardcore, knew he was this good. Because when you think about when you think about the great point guards in the NBA, you think of Stephen Curry, you think of now James Harden, because he's kind of transitioned to the two, you, you, you mean to the one. Think of Russell Westbrook, or you think of John Wall. You don't think of Mike Conley. And he has taken, you know, with, with, with Zach Randolph kind of on the downside of his career, as you said, it has become his team and his and Marcus Saul's team. And while I don't think anyone sees them as a championship threat, they just don't have the depth of the scoring ability to do that. They are a fun. They've always been a tough team, a tough team, and they are a fun team to watch. And if San Antonio gets through this series, and I'm not convinced they will, um, I don't. You know, if they they have set up Houston beautifully. Uh, to beat up on a team that is just not looking, it just doesn't look, just doesn't look as good as they have during the regular, as they did during the regular season. Well, I think we all saw Houston and what they did during the regular season. And it's always been apparent to me, and look, it's been apparent to most, that the NBA changes from, pre- from regular season to postseason. And that certain types of teams are much better postseason teams when the games are spread out, when you have more time to rest, when the 
whistles come a little bit quicker than they do in the regular season. And that was the fear when it came to the Rockets. The Rockets have been running. They've been gunning. They're a three-point extravaganza. They're Mike D'Antoni's team through and through. And they were able to keep a lot of teams off balance in the fact that they ran up and down and up and down and up and down all throughout the entire season. And when you play back-to-back nights, that's really hard for some of these teams to catch up with them. But in the playoffs where you have one or two or sometimes even three days rest between games, it's much easier to play that type of basketball, Uh, much easier to play defense against that type of basketball. And I think that's exactly what the Rockets are seeing right now. They are not a tremendously big team. And if anything, that's exactly what Memphis is. So if it comes down to it, I like Memphis's chances if they can get past San Antonio, and that's a big look. That's a big if. San Antonio is a very good team. So, yeah, I mean the NBA Western Conference has always has been for the last ten years the more interesting conference. Now, you made you made an interesting side note where you put James Harden as a, as a point guard, and you are putting Stephen Curry as a point guard, and I can see Stephen Curry a little bit more. I think the revolution about what a point guard is hurts Mike Conley tremendously. Yes. Mike Mike Conley is a point guard in the Bob Cousy, in the Magic Johnson, in the yeah, in, in the in in the Isaiah Thomas school of point guards. And James Harden is in the, and Russell Westbrook, and even Stephen Curry to a degree, are in the Pete Maravich school of point guards, the the Allen Iverson school of point guards. Is it really fair to compare them when they really don't play the same position to me? Is it fair? Probably not. But it may be the best option that you have. Um, it is, they are, he is, he is a scorer. You know, let's, let's be honest. You know, Harden is a scorer. Westbrook is a scorer. Curry is a scorer. But especially with Harden, it's, you know, Mike D'Antoni, who got run out of New York, you know, and really was never, I don't think was really anticipating another head coaching job in the near future. Set up the perfect team <clears throat> for Harden, where you have all these three. You have one rebounder, and you have all these three-point shooters. And Harden can't really be doubled because the second you double him, you're going to throw a pass to, to Ryan Anderson, or a pass to Eric Gordon, or a pass to Lou Williams, or a pass to Trevor Ariza. So what's happened is it's opened up that. Even in a half-court set, it's opened up the offense so much that he – I mean, look, he averaged nine assists a game. You know, is he a typical point guard? As he said, in the Bob Cousy, low cheeks way? And apparently Jake is agreeing with me as he claps his hands. No. But it, it is an evolution of this combo where you're a little bit of everything. And – you know, it's allowed, you know, this kind of offense is allowed Harden. It's hard to say he's taking the next step, considering he led the league in scoring last year, but 
he legitimately took the next step to being, you know, this all-around player that no one, you know, looks on the offensive end, that no one really anticipated. Well, you could say the same thing about Russell Westbrook, right? I mean, same type of deal. Yes and when no. When the offense strictly flows through one person, and that's what's happened in both of these situations, there is no other facilitator. The ball starts in their hands, and potentially it could end in their hands. And Allen Iverson proved that most of all. Allen Iverson, when he came into the league, he was a two-guard. He was an off-guard. And Larry Brown said, wait a second, this guy is my best player. He's also my best scorer, and he's also my best facilitator. So why would I not want this guy with the ball in his hands at all times? And I think that's what they've come around. Look, Harden and, and Westbrook did not start off in the prototypical point guard position. They never have. They've adapted to this type of position where they have the ball in their hands all the time. Oh, no, I agree. And as you said, it is a transformation of the position. But since they have the ball in, the hand, in their hands the whole time, how else? Can you, what else can you call them? But as you said, if they're a facilitator for all intents and purposes, they're a point guard. And I'm not saying I think of James Harden and go, well, that's a prototypical, that is the, the prototypical point guard, because it's certainly not. But it is, it kind of is what this transit, what this is transitioned to. And I, I you think, know, as I say, I, I think you're mistaken what I'm getting at. I don't, I don't disagree with you. What I'm saying is I believe because of this transformation, Mike Conley gets a, doesn't get the credit he deserves. I completely, and I agree with you. Yeah. To me, that makes all the sense in the world because, yeah. because he is a more prototypical point guard. He does, he does not get the same, the same, it's not the same thought process. Yeah. And, oh, you, you know, you know what I was going with before was yes, that while him and while hook, well, excuse me, while Harden and Westbrook play the same position, are the same position, you know, the difference is Westbrook does not have three-point shooters around him. He is Andre Roberson, who I believe is currently two for 17 from the line this, so far in the playoffs. You know, he has, you know, some nice big guys in Adams and Cantor, but they're not people who are going to open up the lanes for him. And they're, they're people who can't create on their own. So, you know, I look, I look at this and I, you know, and, and, you know, this may be the evolution of where, the, of how this plays out, of where this goes, but, um, you know, of, of how Oklahoma ends up, but I'm not right now, you know, they're just, they're just, they don't have the talent that Houston does, which is kind of where I was going with this. But yes, Mike Conley, to go back to your point, Mike Conley does not get the respect that he deserves it. And also because of where he plays, you know, nobody Agreed. really, I mean, nobody follows Memphis. I mean, let's Agreed. call it what it is. Seth, you know, you know, that's the series that I really would love to see. And I think it would be probably the best series in even better than the NBA finals might be Memphis versus Oklahoma city. Because that would be, two teams that really don't have a whole lot of shooting on the end. They're the same team. One is a little younger than the other one. But they are 
pretty much look, Westbrook's the best player on the in, in on the court. Conway can give him a run for his money. You put Tony Allen on Westbrook, he doesn't stop him, he slows him down. And then you just have bigs battling bigs and it reminds you of Miami and New York back in the nineties. I mean I think that would be an either a very entertaining series or a not so entertaining series. It wouldn't be a middle ground series, but I don't think we're going to see that at all because I think that would have to happen in the finals, in the Western Conference finals, anyway. I think it makes a lot of sense. You have to feel bad for Steve Kerr, and I know he, I'm saying you have to feel bad for the guy that is is saddled with Stephen Curry and Draymond Green. Yeah. And, Kevin Durant, but that that's not where I'm going here. Wow, back issues, migraines. Th- this guy, he, he's, he, like I said, you just have to feel bad. For those that are not aware, Steve, uh, Steve Kerr has not coached the last two games. He, he might not coach the rest of the playoffs, and he might have to retire because of a botched back surgery that he had a couple of years ago which is causing him to have migraines and not be able to walk. And it, it's an extremely bad situation. And it, Mike Brown, the deposed Mike Brown from Cleveland, it would set up an ironic situation of Mike Brown facing <laughs> Cleveland in the finals, wouldn't it? It would, I think ironic is, the exact, is exactly the right word. Um, Mike Brown was, as you said, was deposed and David Blatt was only was there for a year before he was for all intents and purposes kicked out. And then Tyrone Lewis come in, they win a title either me, either because of or in spite of Tyrone Lewis, I'm not quite sure which. Because and it, it kinda goes in Mike Brown has kind of been in head coaching purgatory since. Um, but he is certainly capable and look, the talent in Golden State is so overwhelming between you know, among uh, Thompson and Green and, and Durant and Iguodala and, and Curry, that it just may not matter. You almost get the feeling, Sean, that 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 you could go and coach that team to the NBA Finals. Um, so I mean, you know, it just it's not what you would hope for, and certainly you wish Kerr the best. And you know, he's a great coach, and he's he's done a beautiful job taking over from Mark Jackson three years ago, leading them to successive finals, including one championship. Um, but you certainly hope a guy, you know, who's in his late forties, early, you know, doesn't go out like this. It would be a shame. Agreed. So let's move on to. So first of all, let me get your predictions. I'm sorry, I never because you have been so out of pocket. And I think that's a good way of saying it, out of pocket, out of mind. Um, not out of mind, I guess. You're never out of mind, my friend. Thank obviously, you. You, obviously, you see the Cavaliers in the finals. I mean, I think you've made that abundantly clear. Who do you see? Do you see any upsets along the way? And obviously, the Cavs would not be one of those. And where do you see the Western Conference shaking out? I mean, the way I see it is this: the only the team I think that gives that gives Cleveland the best run, as I said, is Washington. Washington's now down three-two to Atlanta, so I don't know exactly what we're looking at there. Um, 
Atlanta is not a team that is particularly that is particularly impressive or scary. Um, they have some nice players in Millsap and, and Dennis Schroeder, but they're not the team that you look at and say, geez, they're going to give Cleveland the run. Um, you know, you, I don't know how – Golden State won 72 games last year and they're better this year. I'm not quite sure how you go against them. Um, you know, picking Houston over the Spurs is not exactly a an upset. Um, do I think Memphis beats the Spurs? Probably not, although I think they've outplayed them through four games. I don't see any huge upsets. I see I, mean, I see Golden State over Houston. I see Cleveland probably over – well, I, I'm guessing it's going to be Boston. Because, well, I shouldn't say that. I, I'm going to say over Washington. I'm going to say Washington wins, you know, in seven, and then they beat Boston. So I just think they have more – I just think they simply have more talent. Um, and so no, nothing major. Uh, Golden State, then Golden State over Cleveland. Okay. I, I, I mean, do you see anything that that different? No, I don't. I I, I can't look. My predictions suck. So anything I say right now is just going to be like the opposite of what's going to happen. So it's not really worth it to me to to opine on this, other than to be contrarian, which I do love to be. So you see, you see the Celtics. See, I don't I don't like what the Celtics bring to the table right now. I. I think they can lose this series. I think they can certainly lose the next one against any of the other contenders. So yeah, I I like I like them over I don't like them over Washington. I'd like them over Atlanta. Um, I think they beat Chicago. I don't I, I don't think Chicago is particular. You know, Chicago has Jimmy Butler, which is who's been phenomenal. But I don't look at them and see any. You know, Wade is old. Rondo's out. They don't have much depth. You know, it's, it's Chicago. I mean, they're just not, they're just not that good. And so at the end of the day, I do, I think Boston wins. Boston's up. I think Boston's up three, two. I could be wrong. No, it's Um, it's two, two. It's three, two. It's two, two. Okay. So I mean, I think Boston wins. I three, oh, it's three, two Boston. Correct. No, it's two, two. Oh, it's two-two. Sorry, the hearing is going in my old age. So I think, as I said, I think Boston wins, and I think if they play Atlanta, I think they beat Atlanta. I think Washington would beat Boston, and then I think Cleveland, you know, beats Toronto in six or something, you know, or five or, some, or six. You know, these teams have to prove that they can beat Cleveland. You know, it's the old Ric Flair: you got to beat the man, you got to beat the man. To be the man, you got to beat the man. And I don't, you know, <laughs> from a, from a uh, you know, from a one-season trade-off, it doesn't mean anything. But when LeBron James has been to the NBA Finals seven, eight years, seven years in a row, something like that, since yep. his first year in Miami, I, I find it difficult to, you know, you have to be, to be, to be, you know, to be the finals. You have to beat Cleveland, and Cleveland still has the most talent in the conference. Yeah, I, so. I don't disagree on there at all. Okay, do you have a NHL prediction since obviously mine is not going to happen? You mean Nashville, Ottawa was not your pick? Dude, my prediction was so bad, it's not even funny. Like, I I did have Washington in the finals, so I, I will give myself a little bit of credit there, but I did also have them losing in the finals. So, not going to really get much 
much of a, a props to me on that one. No, I, I mean, there's no pick I'm going to make it. I mean, I, I think the winner of Pittsburgh-Washington cruises into the finals. Right now, I would think you would be – I just think Pittsburgh's playing better than Washington is. You know, Toronto gave Washington a huge run before losing in six. Pittsburgh kind of cruised through. And so, I mean, I would go with Pittsburgh. I would, you know, picking it at this point, I'd go with Pittsburgh probably over the Rangers. In the East, in the West, uh, I don't know. I mean, with Chicago out, San Jose is out. I can see, you know, I, I would probably go with Anaheim but it's not a team I'm particularly holding my breath on. Uh, hold on, Jakey. I, 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 here we go. Um, so, you know, so I'll say, I'll say Pittsburgh over Anaheim. But again, I'm making this pick in the, at the second, you know, two around in, so it's not quite that, it's not quite that impressive. Fair enough. Hold on one second. Sorry, it's not working. That's fair enough. Okay, so we have. <laughs> and, those, and those chimes mean one thing. The Seth and Sean Sports Radio 2017 mock draft is open. Now you can all boo. Because that's what Roger Goodell is going to hear right after he says the 2017 NFL draft is open. Here's my first question. Does Roger Goodell deserve booze? Or is it just a, a rite of passage? It's a rite of passage. David Stern was booed for 30 years running the draft. Roger Goodell is not only, you know, who's, who's obviously not a particularly popular commissioner with the fans to begin with, but it's being hosted in Philly. They're not exactly known for their... Uh, warmth slash compassion. So, I mean, to me, yeah, it's a no-brainer. He's going to get booed. Okay. So before we start, how many quarterbacks are being picked in the first round and how many trades do you see happening? So you always pick trades. I don't. Um, I actually have four quarterbacks going in the first round. Now, what's funny is I've done this three times. I've done this three times now. I did it last night on Peter King's thing and thought I printed it, and I didn't. And I had one quarterback going, or two. <laughs> then I did it this afternoon, thought I printed it, didn't print. And I had three. And now I realize I have – actually, I have three. Uh, no, I have four. I have four. Because I brought it I, – I did bring in one late – wasn't late in the fourth. It was late in the uh, in the in the first round. So I'm okay. not particular. I'm not feeling overly confident with four quarterbacks. I'll be perfectly honest with you. But I think the value the value is there that late. So we'll see how it plays out. I wouldn't be surprised did, if there's a lot of trades. Did you I, see that did, Gideon Con? Did you see that Gideon Conley is now? His reputation is a little tarnished today. He was accused of rape. Yeah, that that, that tarnishes a lot of reputations. But I got a bigger thing here, okay? 
based on the last couple of years where we have seen uh, Collins of Dallas go undrafted because of something that proved to be completely unfounded, we had last year, uh, what was the tackle's name? Tunsil. With the bong and the, the marijuana. Tunsil. Larry Tunsil. Larry Tunsil. Yeah, right. Jeremy Tunsil. Larry Tunsil. Larry Tunsil, which, quite frankly, did nothing, right? I mean, it dropped him a couple of spots, but he's, he's probably the best player in the draft after one year. And the fact that this is an allegation that police have not charged him with, that it is one person saying it against, I think the reports say many. Do you have him in the first round? And based on that allegation, did you drop him in the in your mock first round? No, I do have him in the first round, and I only saw this. I literally saw that he was that this this accusation five minutes before the before we came on the air. So would I have dropped him? Yes, and I probably could do it now because there's so many other cornerbacks that are being drafted in the first round here. Um, I could I had him originally, and I, I mean I'm not going to change it at this point. But I have him going. I had him going prior to this in the middle of the first round. Okay, so I had him 13, and I did drop him um, 11 spots for the same reason. There are lots and lots of corners, right? And we we've established that probably cornerback and linebacker are the two places where you're going to see a lot of a lot of players taken because. To me, this is the draft that shows no guards and no tackles. Normally, we have teams trading up to that elusive right or left tackle. And given that more people are coming off the edge now, a left tackle. You don't hear about any tackles this year other than Ryan, and I can never pronounce the guy's name, out of Wisconsin. And when you hear about him, you're hearing – 19, 20, 23, right, in the lower third of the first half. You also are not seeing the quarterback. And you have four of them, so you're seeing quarterbacks. But you're not seeing the quarterback. You're not seeing the Andrew Luck, the Jared Goff, the Alex Smith and or Aaron Rodgers. You're not seeing the guy, the guy. There's a lot of questions as to who the best one is and whether that person is worth trading up for or whatnot. I think because of that, you see a lot of different types of players in this year's draft in the first round, linebackers, safeties, and corners. It is a very confusing draft to try and pick or to try and and determine. Uh, Usually you have your first five or six, you know, it may not be set, you have an idea of what they are. In this case, you're looking, as you said, there are 10 corners for all intents and purposes that could be taken in the first two rounds. The quarterbacks, I don't, wouldn't be surprised if there was none. I wouldn't be surprised if there was four. I, I think it's very difficult to have a feel. For, and that's why, you know, even though I don't, I don't typically pick trades, I would, not, I would be surprised if there weren't any this year. Um, 
I, I think you're going to see, again, you're going to see people trading for the quarterbacks, whether it's Cleveland trading up to take Trubinsky or to take Howard or a team like a San Francisco trading down because they may be waiting for next year to really look for a quarterback. And so if, if, the necess, if, it's, if people feel it's necessitated to get up to get one of these guys or to get Mahomes or like a guy who I have going to Arizona – because you have these 35, 36, 37, 38 year year old quarterbacks, you know, who've been there for a long time where there's just no, there's no, you know, there's no end in sight. There's no, there's no, there's no backup. I should say, you know, Roethlisberger threatened to retire last year. Pittsburgh, you know, where is Pittsburgh going with the giants? You know, Eli Manning has been there forever. How is it going to play out? So it's going to be an, it will be an interesting draft, um, and to, to me and more so, than most. To, to me, I see that as a second round. With the NFL being what the NFL is today, I don't see a lot of first-rounders that are going to sit. When NFL teams look at their first-rounders, they're looking for plug-and-play guys, guys that can come in today. Not guys that are, that, not guys that are looking like they can come in in a couple of years Steve McNair, or even Aaron Rodgers. And if it isn't Aaron Rodgers, you're looking way down in the 20s and hoping, wow, this guy just fell into my lap. And I think, for me, you're going to see less trades than you think. I think you will definitely see one or two, but I think that's about it. I think you're, because there are not those teams that are looking to trade up for those quarterbacks, in my opinion. I think they may just fall to them. And if they fall to them, then why would I expend capital? I do have one big trade. Maybe I'm just hopeful that this is going to happen more than I realistically think it is because I can't imagine the Jets being smart. <laughs> why do I have the feeling this? I was going to say, why do I have the feeling this is going to be a Jets trade? Uh, oh, it's absolutely a, a Jets, a Jets trade. A Jets because, yeah, it's absolutely a Jets deal. But here's the thing. I could see a team jumping the Jets – and saying, okay, I think the Jets are going to make that trade, so I'm going to jump up to the Titans, who would love to trade down. I think there are more teams that would love to trade down in this draft than any other draft that I know, because there are none of those. To me, right. there is it's one a depth, It's a depth draft. It's not right. a high-tier. It's a, it's a depth draft. A depth right. draft. Spot on. It is not a high tier. It's not a high tier draft. No, I agree. So okay, with first pick in the draft, the Cleveland Browns select in in Sean Palmer's first pick of the draft. The Cleveland Browns do keep the the selection and do not take a quarterback, and they go Miles Garrett out of Texas A&M. Who is that guy? Yeah. Uh, I don't know if he is that guy or not, but he is the pick. There is nobody else. Um, he, we'll see. Um, the talent is there. The results were not overwhelming last year. Now he was partially injured. And he was being double teamed, kind of, i.e. The, the Davian Clowney of a couple of years ago. You know, great power, great speed. But when you have eight sacks and four of them against University of Texas San Antonio – it's not as given that he's going to be a superstar as anything else. So 
you know, it's not a given, but I agree. Um, Garrett goes one. Uh, well, second pick what, San Francisco. Let, let, me, wait, let me try and uh, I think you misconstrued what I was saying is he is that guy. He's the only guy on the face that has the talent that is – he's far and above talent-wise everybody else in this draft. Whether or not he actually achieves that, that mecca of all proness every single year or is a Hall of Famer, that's yet to be seen. But as far as on the tape and the talent, this is the guy. This is the only number yeah. one pick as far as I'm concerned. No, I agree. I agree. Um, number two, San Francisco, although they need a quarterback – I don't. I don't think anyone's going to trade up to number two to take one. They're not going to take one. They need value. They're going um, linebacker from the the, uh, the combo from um, from Stanford Solomon Thomas. Yeah, I have I have Solomon Thomas as well for the same reason as you. The Niners are going to ask for a ton for that number two pick. Nobody wants to pay it because they don't see that the Niners are going to take a quarterback. If they're not going to take a quarterback, why would they pay for that? And you really have to look at the team behind them if, in any of these trades. So are any of the teams behind the team that is picking going to pick the guy that you're looking at? So in order for somebody to trade up for the Niners, they're looking at if they wanted a quarterback or if they wanted something else would the Bears be taking a quarterback? Now, the Bears have Mike Lennon on a, basically a one-year deal, $18 million for one year, but basically a one-year deal. They don't have a backup, and they could use a quarterback, but to me, I have a really hard time with Mitch Treblinski in general. And there was a stat that ESPN showed. Mitch Treblinski made 13 NFL starts. Uh, sorry, college, college collegiate starts. starts. Collegiate starts. There is there is one Pro Bowler, one, that made that few starts in his NCAA career at quarterback. Seth, can you name him? One Pro Bowler. From a quarterback position. I would almost. I would almost say it's someone like Mark Sanchez. No. Mark Sanchez never made the Pro Bowl. I thought he may have made it one year, but uh, so a guy who really only started one season. Can you give me a hint here? Yeah, he only started one game. I feel like I should know this. Matt Castle never made it. Yes, there you go. Matt it is Castle. Matt Castle. Okay. He made Pro Bowl in 2010. He backed up both Matt Liner and Carson Palmer. At USC, still was a, a seventh-round draft pick of the, of the New England Patriots and went to the Chiefs. By the way, he made almost $55 million in his career. Not bad for a seventh-round pick. And he made the Pro Bowl in 2010. So he is the only guy that has started less ga- equal or less games than Treblinski and made a Pro Bowl. To me, that's not a, even a top-ten pick. And I would have a lot of concerns there. So if you're the Bears, I don't see the Bears looking at Treblinski. So I don't see anybody trading up 
above them to go get it. So, where do the Bears go? I think the Bears go with the surest thing out there. And the surest thing out there to me is Jamal Adams, who I would pray would fall to the Jets. Like, that would be, that would be here's my card, how fast can we have Ben Johnson run up there with steroids? I mean, that's how fast I would like it to go. Jamal Adams, the safety out of LSU, I think the most complete player in this draft goes number three to the Bears. I do too. Um, I, I think it's not the greatest need for them, but he they they do need a leader on defense. You know, Fangio has done a nice job kind of rebuilding that the defense on the mend. And again, it's either he is considered the safest pick at this point, especially with Jonathan Allen dropping. Um, I have Allen Adams going three, and I have and I you know I gave a bit of pause at four. Uh, the Jag with the Jaguars, and you know, I said he's dropping. I do have Jonathan Allen going here. Uh, I, I I thought hard about Leonard Fournette. Um, I thought hard about. I, I didn't really think hard about a quarterback. I refuse to believe that even if Tom Coughlin doesn't like Blake Bortles, that you're not going to give him one more. That you're going to. There, there's nobody a four worth taking at, at the Q, for, Q, for as a QB for me. So I have them going, you know, the, he, Alan Killer and Coyas Campbell, who just signed with Jacksonville and Lee Jackson. I, I, I think it makes sense. Okay. I, I actually have Leonard Fournette here. I think people have gotten into the Ezekiel Elliott syndrome where I have a top player. He happens to be a running back. For years, it was the – it was the atypical player. It was Adrian Peterson that made a top 10 pick from the running back position. One of those guys that was a once-in-a-lifetime player. Ezekiel Elliott comes in last year, is picked pretty high, and he has, fortunately for him, the best offensive line in football, so he runs for 1,600, 1,700 yards. And I think Tom Coughlin's been a run guy even back when he had Fred Taylor, Although they do have Chris Ivory and although they do have T.J. Yeldon, they do not have Leonard Fournette. And I think they take Fournette here. I don't think it's the right pick for them, but I think it is the pick for them. And I think the fact that they got Calacious Campbell means that they don't take Jonathan Allen. But I, I totally understand where you're going with this. Defense is something that they definitely do need. Okay, the Titans. I think the Titans need two things. They definitely need wideouts definitely need cornerbacks. So they don't need a quarterback. They don't need a running back. They don't need a tight end. And their offensive line, they really worked on last year, getting Jay Conlon and whatnot. Their front four is pretty good. I think they go for Marshawn Lattimore here, uh, the cornerback out of Ohio State. That's actually who I have going also. He's Young but aggressive, and as you said, they they really need people on the end, whether it's a wide out or a corner, and they also have a pick later in the first round. So when you're when to me you go for the best talent, you know you always say best talent over best need, but there's always some kind of combination of the two. You know, Lattimore is a heck of a talent, and I agree. I have him going. I have him going fifth as well. 
I will let you know it's my pick. I will let you have made your Jets pick first. Well, I think the Jets trade this pick. Oh, God, I hope they trade this pick. God, I hope they trade this Like, that, that meant I, I sound awful, but I really do. I want, I want this to be not even a choice. I don't even want the Jets to have the choice of picking a quarterback. I would love for somebody to trade up before the Jets pick and pick the quarterback just so the Jets can't pick the quarterback. Like, that's how much I don't want a quarterback picked with this pick. So I'm giving them to the Browns. And I'm giving Mitch Treblinski to the Browns, which is the trade that many people are saying. And I think every Jets fan in the tri-state area is hoping comes to fruition. And Mitch Treblinski goes number six. Since Since I usually do the board based on the board, I'm going to have the Jets keeping their pick. And if the Jets keep their pick, I'm assuming you'd be happy with this. I have them getting Leonard Fournette, um, who, with Forte on his way out, and well, Powell, Powell, more just more of a secondary back. Fournette is the best talent left in the best talent left in this draft at six. And the Jets, who need anything they can get, go for go with the bit with the big bruiser who will would be the mainstay of their backfield for years to come. Before you go and trade this we, pick. Yeah. I'm sorry. Would you be happy? Yeah, before, you move, before you move on from Fournette, the one thing that an offensive team needs is an offensive line. And one thing that a running back needs is an offensive line. And the Jets just don't have one. So I have a hard time throwing a running back back there that – Especially when you have, look, the Jets need help in a thousand different ways. The one place, two places that they don't need help for next year. I'm not talking two years down the road. Next year, they do not need help. Running back and defensive line, which happen to be the two spots that are best suited for right now on my board. Jonathan Jonathan Allen and Leonard Fournette. So... If they can trade out of this spot, I would love them to do such. If they cannot, which I believe is what your question would have been, yeah, I want them taking Malik Hooker. You want the corner? I want anybody that's not a running back or a defensive lineman, right? <laughs> or a quarterback, for that matter. Look, I would if Jamal Adams falls here. Like I said, jump, jump through hoops to go get him. If Lattimore so do we have falls, 60 minutes or 90? Do we have 60 minutes or 90, 90 minutes on the show? 90. Okay. 90 minutes. 90 minutes. If Lattimore falls here, I'm loving it. If Hooker is, is, is an injury case, and I know a lot of Jets fans are going to say, we have another D Milner on our hands. And that's troubling to me. But unfortunately, if you have to keep the pick, there's no better value on my board than Jonathan Allen or Malik Hooker. So I got Fournette going number four, so he's not even around anymore. And if they pick the quarterback, Seth, you've heard it here first. If they pick the quarterback, <laughs> I have no question whether I'm going to be a Jets fan anymore. I will be on the phone with you during their pick, just for, just for entertainment's sake alone. 
And oh, I'm not I, sure I'll be on the field with any police that pick. But we'll see. Uh, All this right. will be fun. So the Chargers, yeah, it's fun. You know why? Because your Giants are picking like 23rd. Anyway, yep. the Chargers, I have them taking Hooker. Again, best talent, secondary, something the Chargers need help on. They addressed the defense last, last year with Joey Bosa and the, and the linebackers. They could use the linebackers. I don't see any linebackers that are that high up. They do have Melvin Ingram as a defensive end as well. Their offense, you're, this is the first case where you could say, yes, a quarterback here because Rivers may not be long for this, for, this, uh, for this league. And that's why people may want to jump the Chargers because Treblinski could go here. With Treblinski on, I, I see this going to Malik Hooker. Yeah, I have Hooker at seven as well. Uh, Eric Weddle leaving after last year to go to, go to Baltimore. Their, their secondary is pretty junky. And when you're when you're playing against you know you have Oakland with Derek Carr, Kansas City has Ty, you know the wide the wideouts of Tyreek Hill, yeah the second the secondary is a necessity, and Hooker makes the most sense. Um, plus the idea of a guy named Hooker in New York City just doesn't sound good. So uh, that sounds <laughs> awesome. <laughs> I might get so, that jersey. Anyway, go on. So we're up to the right. we're up to the Panthers. Uh, on to Carolina at eight. Carolina fifteen and one in two thousand and fifteen, and six and ten last year. They they want running. I th- I think they want running back. Um, I I think they wanted Leonard Fournette. If he falls, I think they jump on him. Um, I think they go in the other direction. They go for the more versatile back. Uh, they go for the highest riser in the draft in Christian McCaffrey. I agree, and. I'm not even sure if Fournette's there that they don't take McCaffrey anyway. Uh, I know what you're saying, but McCaffrey can split out wide. And remember, they really only have one one wide out in Kelvin Benjamin, and they don't really have a slot receiver. So McCaffrey can McCaffrey can split out. He can play with Jonathan Stewart, not just in the solo back situation. Fournette and Jonathan Stewart really couldn't play at the same time. Now, it's just my opinion here, so I, I also I also have them taking McCaffrey, but I I really think that they would have taken him anyway. So the Bengals, who do you have the Bengals, who have not been the Bengals recently, taking? The Bengals are kind of are an interesting position. They could go in a bunch of different ways. They could go two tight ends and take over. They could go defense, as their as their vaunted defense has kind of taken a step back. Uh, they could go with uh, Foster from Alabama. I actually, with you know, Tyler Boyd did not fill the void uh, as the number two wideout last year. Muhammad Sanu gone, Marvin Jones gone, AJ Green can't do everything alone, and you know, yes, they have Tyler Eifert. As, as their primary tight end. But I think, I think they go wide out. I, and I think they go Corey Davis from Western Michigan. I think it's, a two, it's, it's either him or Mike Williams from Clemson as the best wide out in the draft. I don't think there's much question on this. So I'm going with, I, I think 
that Davis is the is the cleaner pick, and I if, if healthy, and I so I have him going number nine to Cincy. Wow! So here is the difference of opinion right here. Wow. Okay. So I think you if you have a second round pick, you give them more than one year. I've always said that. I think you give your draft more than one year. I think with Brandon LaFell there, they have an eight. They don't have another number one, but they do have sufficient number twos. And when you have Tyler Eifert as your starting tight end who catches more touchdowns than any other tight end outside of Gronkowski, I don't think there's really that big of a need. They have a very old defensive line. They re-signed Michael Johnson last year after he flamed out in Tampa Bay. Geno Atkins is not getting any younger. Jonathan Allen, this is where it stops, right here. So I had you had him at at number three. I have him stopped here at number nine uh, to the Bengals. So with the number ten pick, Buffalo could have been could be looking for a wideout. So far, they have not uh, upped Sammy Watkins for his auction year, which is kind of ludicrous considering what they gave up to get him. But it's a new it's a new regime. And I think that new regime needs a pass rusher more than anything else. They're getting Reggie Rutland back. Reggie Rutland. Am I Ranklin? Reggie Ragland. Reggie Ragland is not the, the guy. Linebacker. You're talking about the linebacker Thanks. from Alabama Thanks. a couple years ago. Yeah, yeah the guy that I really wanted in our fantasy league last year until he got hurt. Reggie Ragland's coming back. I think they need a pass rushing defensive end to go with Lorenzo Alexander, who is 34 years old. It's going to be Barnett. To me, it's the rusher out of um, out of Tennessee. I don't remember his first name. I'm looking for it now. Derek. Derek Barnett. Derek. Okay, so uh, Derek, Derek Barnett. Barnett, defensive end out of Tennessee. I look at Fubolo, and they will always be Fubolo to me. Their defense is still pretty solid. I don't, you know, as you said, their 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 pass receiving crew is not strong. Watkins, their number one that they haven't made a run at. Charles Clay has not worked out off of his five-year contract. They go for what seems to be a surprisingly sure thing, considering he, his, the number of receptions he had was so limited at Alabama. I'm going tight end O.J. Howard. And you devastate me as a Jets fan. Because that would be now, true, because I assume that's what you want not only do I not get him at 12, but now I have to deal with him every year, which makes me even worse. Sorry to do you think the Bills? Do you think the Bills even look at a quarterback here? I wouldn't. Um, I think I, – I, look, I'm also a bigger fan of Taylor than I guess they are, but – to me, they have a lot more pressing needs, and they're going to have the opportunity to re-sign him if, if if he's a solid quarterback. He really is. Is the running help hasn't been great. The pass receiving help has been horrendous. So did you I, just say the point? I, I, did you just say what Sean McCoy hasn't been great? Sean McCoy ran for fourteen hundred yards last year. He did. Um, the, I was thinking the year before. My apologies. Um, 
they're a team. They're not. They're a team with with needs, just like everything else. And their biggest need is wide out. Or okay, so fair. to me, okay. Howard makes sense because it's either Howard or Williams. I would go if I were them. Um, okay. And Sean McDermott comes from a Carolina team, which although he's a defensive coordinator, he saw the impact that a Greg Olson had. Absolutely. Okay, the Saints. Go ahead. Who you got for the Saints? The Saints are one of two things. Uh, they do, certainly don't need a running back having signed Adrian Peterson today. Uh, the Saints are anything defense-related or quarterback. You're not going to take a quarterback and pick 11 if you're the Saints. It makes no sense. Drew, with Drew Brees still being as solid as, as he's been over the years. You're going, you're going defense. I'm going Hassan uh, Reddick from Temple, linebacker. Okay. I have the uh, same position but different player. And I agree with you. I think that they are looking at a quarterback, but I think they'll find that, again, in the second round more than the first round. They do have the last pick in the first round as well, given that they made the trade for, with, for Braden, uh, traded Braden Cooks to New England. I have the Saints taking Reuben Foster, inside linebacker out of Alabama. Very impressive all throughout the year. Unfortunately, failed the drug test at the combine. Will not be allowed at the draft. I was very impressed with him. Uh, I well, obviously he was on TV a lot. Very impressive. I, I think Foster's the better pick than Reddick. But you know what? Six of one, half dozen of another when it comes to a middle linebacker. And this is very strange, a middle linebacker going this high. Middle linebackers in the top 12 don't normally come around. I think the last one was actually well, Luke Keekley. Reddick's not an inside linebacker. He's an outside linebacker. Oh, sorry. Okay. I have the inside linebacker. Okay. Yeah. The Browns, which I now have as the Jets pick. Welcome to New York, O.J. Howard. I will get your jersey because the last time the Jets had a pro Bowl. Wide receiver, Pro Bowl tight end. Mr. Caymans, can you the last time the Jets had a Pro Bowl tight end? I find Mickey Shore? Yes. 1983. That would have been my guess for a year, give or take. So, my Lord. Yeah, I mean, it has been a long time. And the last time they tried so, taking a tight end was uh, the guy from Texas. It was a Saro, Texas Tech. That didn't yeah, go very Jason well. Merrill. Jason Merrill. Yep. He was released last year. Before that, it was Anthony Beck. Before that, it was Kyle Brady. Johnny Mitchell. Brady. Oh. Brady picked number nine overall. Johnny Mitchell picked number 13 or 14 overall. Back-to-back with Derek Brown. Wow. Really, really bad tight ends. And the Jets had the least amount of receptions out of a tight end last year in the NFL. Also the least amount of throws. I can't even imagine the number. I'm assuming it was probably close to 10. It was close. So the only guys that they have on their roster right now are Jenkins Sefferins, Austin Jenkins Sefferins, who was released due to a DWI charge (laughs) with Tampa Bay. And they have a couple of other nondescript guys. So, I have them thinking O.J. Howard. Quite frankly, I don't see anybody else on the board that if Jets come up at this at this pick are 
in that echelon, O.J. Howell is my guy. You're on the clock with the Browns. And we have 27 minutes, so we got to keep we got to move a little bit faster here. All right. Well, we're going all right. Um, I have them going quarterback for the the uh, the, the sorry uh, the hometown Cleveland boy Trubinsky. Excuse me. Uh, goes to 12. Cleveland gets their quarterback. Gets their gets their defensive end, and the rebuilding officially begins. For the eighth, for the umpteenth time, in the hard luck in the hard luck town of uh, Cleveland, Ohio. Thirteen is Arizona. Look, I'm sorry. No, what this is saying? the best case scenario for Cleveland. If they can pull both of yep. this off, absolutely best case scenario. Okay. Yeah. Well, the last time, unfortunately, I think we saw them pull off their best case, the supposedly best case scenario, was when they got Johnny Manziel. So, you know, and Justin Gilbert and Johnny Manziel at 10 and 21, and neither of them are in the league at this point. 13 is Arizona. Arizona's fall, falls, Arizona's fall from Super Bowl favorite to really almost also ran uh, is disappointing. I don't see a huge upswing this year, which means Palmer's in his last year. I think they go for the quarterback who fits Bruce Arians best his kind of personality, and that's kind of the, the winger, the, the, the far vest gunner, and that's Pat Mahomes from Texas Tech. Well, I agree with you. If they're going for, uh, if they're going for the future, this is the guy. No question about it. This is the guy if they go for the future. Uh, I'm not sure they're going for that future, and I still got them taking the outside linebacker and pass rusher being Reddick, who you had going already. So, I'm not sure they're they're done. I, I see their window closing, especially with Larry Fitzgerald possibly in his last year. Their linebackers are very suspect. Their secondary beyond Patrick Peterson are very injury prone. I, I have them taking um, I have them taking Reddick. I think that the linebacker uh, out of the linebacker. Okay, the Eagles. The Eagles. So. To be a completely honest, this is where I had Conley going. That's where I Before had Conley I going. I, 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 have now, I have now moved him as well. Right. So this is where I had him going. I had him going to the Eagles. I now have him still in the first round, but much later in the draft. And because of that, because I had him there, I still have the, um, the Bengals looked uh, – sorry, the Eagles – still looking at a cornerback. No question about it. I think that's where they look for, and I have them going with the cornerback out of Florida, Wilson. I have same position, different player. I have them going Marlon Humphrey from Alabama. You have Humphrey jumping up quite a bit. Well, you don't know where I had him before. True. True. That is, that is true. <laughs> Good point. Where did you have him before? Uh, actually, where I had Conley now. Um, okay. I, had, so I, don't, I don't have a – I don't think I have a cornerback going in between. Yeah, I don't have a cornerback for the next 10 picks. So. Well, neither why, and that's how much I bumped him down. I didn't bump him to the next corner. I bumped him actually – Oh, no, I bumped him two corners down. So – 
Okay. So now we're at the uh, the Colts pick. Who are you picking for the Colts? Colts need anything they can get. Um, they go defense. They go, you know, they go. They need they need a pass rush badly with Robert Mathis retiring. They go Tack McKinley from uh, defensive end from UCLA. Absolutely no dispute right then and there. Totally on board with you. Okay, so I think a wideout finally comes off the board. This is where it is with the Ravens. They lose Steve Smith due to retirement, supposed retirement. He did turn in the papers. They have Mike Wallace, but they have nobody else. I think they go for a wideout here with Williams. Yeah, I have him taking Mike Williams from Clemson as well. Not the speedster of John Ross, not the route runner of uh, of Corey Davis, but the combination in a potential number one wideout for future Hall of Famer Joe Flacco. Um, <laughs> <that's> a, yeah. <laughs> oh, uh, I haven't made too many. I, I haven't made too many Joe Flacco jokes over the last couple of years because, well, you know what's the point. Um, so I have him going 16. 17 is – sorry, bear with me a quick second. 17 is, the Red is he, 17 is the Redskins. I wouldn't be surprised to see – now, I debated – I debate, whoa, sorry, Jakey. Jakey was trying to see what my pick was, and I was, I'm trying to avoid that. I was debating having um, a team like Houston trade up. 17 to get their quarterback. I decided against it. That Washington goes goes defense. They need a lot. Nobody, they need a leader. Is really what they need. And they need a leader on the defensive end, on the defensive side. So I'm going Reuben Foster from Alabama. I think that's an excellent pick. I have the exact same position. Well. Not the exact same position. You have, again, the inside linebacker. I have the outside linebacker. And I have Zach Cunningham out of Vanderbilt. I don't think – I think he is a safe pick. And I think that they really need help on the defensive defensive front seven behind Kerrigan and whatnot. Get some pass rush going. They drafted Josh Doxson last year as the wideout. They don't need help at the quarterback position. They, there is no running back here for them to pick and no wide out. They've, they just had one. They wrote, they, I could see them going to the tight end to, because I know that they have Jordan Reed, but Jordan Reed is always hurt. Always hurt. Yeah, he's very, very injury prone. So, okay, the Titans. I think we said this above. The Titans need two things. The Titans need the quarter, quarterback. And the Titans need a wide receiver. And because of that, I have them going with Corey Davis out of West Virginia. Oh, what, sorry, Western Michigan. Logic makes sense to me. I, of course, have Davis going in earlier in the draft. So I have him going with the speedster, the guy with the fastest, fastest 40, I believe, in the history of the, the combine, uh, John Ross from Whiteout from Washington. Now, I believe John Ross is the one that's hurt, correct? No. Who's the wideout that's hurt? There was a is that Davis? Corey Davis. That's Davis. But there, it's not. A, it shouldn't be anything particularly serious. Fair enough. Okay, the Bucks. 
Who you got the Bucks pick? The Bucks are in an interesting position. The bringing in Deshaun Jackson, they have Winston, they have Evans, they have a kind of a confluence of running of runners. I debated offensive line. I debated secondary. I decided I, I ended up going with a tight end to make Winston even more dangerous uh, from University of Miami, David Njoku, David Njoku. That's a good pick. I like that. I don't have it, but I like it. <laughs> um, I think the thing that when you have a good offense, you need a good offensive line. And I really don't think that they have one down there. So I have been going, and I can never pronounce this guy's name, the out of Wisconsin, who is Ramchek, who, who, who has been stated to be the best, the best lineman in the, in the draft. So, unfortunately, he's only played, again, one year at the Big Ten level. The Broncos. When the Broncos need something, they generally pick offensive linemen. Yeah, Broncos, they whatever fall. they need, it always kind of falls to them. It's just a Denver right. way. And I think an offensive line is where it falls. And Wisconsin, back-to-back players for me. Garrett Bowles, the other offensive tackle out of Wisconsin. Uh, he didn't go to lost. Wisconsin, dude. He, he, Bowles did. he didn't go to Wisconsin. He went to Utah. He went to Utah. Garrett Bowles? Yeah. You sure? Would this face lie? During Utah. Sorry. Garrett Bowles out of Utah. My bad. Incorrect information. Would this, would this face lie? <laughs> now that we're on radio. Uh, so, well, I, yeah, have, Bowles, I have a face made for radio. Russell O'Kong gone. Garrett Bowles in, offensive tackle, goes to the Broncos. I have an offensive, I have offensive line as well. They go for, in my mind, the, the highest-ranked lineman in the draft. Uh, they go for Cam Robinson from Alabama. Okay, the Lions. The Lions... I debated a couple of things. Again, a team a little bit on the, on the upswing. Um, Stafford really did take it. Well, apparently, Jakey approves of my pick. Um, on the ups, a team on the upswing. A team with – but a team that's still far away from really being a legitimate threat. I don't like their running game. You know, I, I – Riddick is, you know, you look around, you you know, who are you looking at? Yeah, you know, Abdullah has, always, has been nothing special. Riddick is nothing special. I'm going with, I'm going with Darwin Cook from, uh, from Florida State. I kind of like the uh, swing, kind of the uh, three, kind of the, uh, the very versatile, you know, but really played beautifully at Florida State and was probably the best running back in football last year at the collegiate level. So I actually have Cook not in the first round. So this will certainly be a, a difference in our scoring, perhaps, right here. Uh, I have I have them in Joku. I think for the reasons that you just said, they need a little bit of versatility. They're not a running team. They're much more of a passing team. 
Abdullah had a freak injury last year. He will be back, and we might actually protect Abdullah in our fantasy league draft. We'll we'll check on that. And, um, yeah, I have Joku. I think you're right. Versatility on offense is a good idea. I just have it going a different way. I don't see them picking an interim after they just got T.J. Lang from um, from Green Bay. Okay, the Dolphins. So, the Dolphins, this is where I have Humphrey going. Again, I have moved cornerbacks up when Conley went down. So, I have the Dolphins picking Marlon Humphreys, and I think that the Dolphins need cornerback help. They need defensive help. They don't really need an offensive anything. They they spent a lot on their offensive line last year. I think this is where they go for uh, defense. Well, as you said, they do need some help at the defense on the defensive end on the defensive side, I should say. Um, I have them going cornerback Quincy Wilson from Florida. Okay, I will let you pick the Giants pick, please. Not that exciting. I mean, the Giants, I, I thought a bit about Zach Cunningham from Vanderbilt, the Giants, or Jared Davis. The Giants never take linebackers in the first round. Um, they, their real need other than, than linebacker, they need offensive line help. So there's really two choices left for me. It's, you know, it's, it's Garrett Bowles or it's Ryan Ramchek or it's Forrest Lamp, actually. Um, I went with Ramchek from Wisconsin. It just, he just kind of sounds like a, like, a, like a Giants player, <laughs> for lack of a better term. Well, you're a happy camper for me because I have who you believe is the only day one left tackle in the draft, and that's Cam Robinson left Cam Robinson. for the Giants. Yeah. And, and you'd be a very happy camper if he fell here. I would. Okay, um, the, Ra- the, the Raiders, who have been known to take that, that guy that just may not be the perfect player, may not be the perfect attitude, may not be 100% on the, on the attitude sheet, and this is where Conley falls to the Raiders. And I think I think Mark Davis just doesn't care. <laughs> I think he's going to do what he wants. And I think this is where Gideon Conley lands. They do need a corner in a big way. They do. They need defense in the, in the worst way. And they need a leader on the defense. And you have Khalil Mack who's a leader but in a different kind of way. You need someone to run defense. And I have him going Jared Davis, a linebacker from Florida. Okay. We're up to the Texans, one of those teams that needs a quarterback. And that's that's where I have them going. Um, If they can get to 25 and pick Deshaun Watson, I I find them hard-pressed to not take him. Um, Whether he – there's a lot of dispute, a lot of discussion about whether he is a quarterback, whether he is a first-round picker. Now, whether any of these quarterbacks are first-round picks or not. But when you have a team that is stacked at almost every other position, 
and you have no quarterback confidence, it's the position you need. And if Tom Savage is not your answer, you got to take a shot with someone. And Watson is the best pick at this point for them. I do not disagree with you, but I still have Pat Mahomes on the board. And I think he fits that offense a lot better than Deshaun Watson would. I think he's he's the guy that they're going to take care of, Deshaun Watson. I agree with you. They need a quarterback. And if they have the choice, I think that they take Mahomes. Moving yeah, to I the also Seahawks. wouldn't be surprised to see I I also wouldn't be surprised to see them wait and take one in the second or third round. A Nathan Peterson and David Davis Webb, something along those lines. I know a lot of people are big on Peters on Peterman, excuse me. Um okay, twenty six is Seattle. But hold on. Just Seth, can you see can you see one of those guys starting day one? No. Or can you see Mahomes can, or, or or Watson starting I day see one? Watson, I, see, I see Watson before Mahomes. Right. But, but you, said, you said you were you could see them waiting until the next round. I could, this, is a team, this is a team that needs a quarterback today, not tomorrow. If they decide that Watson or, well, you, in your case, Mahomes, if they decide Watson isn't the guy and there's no quarterback that they really want, you don't take one just for the sake of taking one. You know, no, you I agree. get the best talent available within 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 the variation of needs. I mean, you're not with you know. Everyone says you always take best talent no matter what. That's not exactly true. You take the best talent within the ballpark of something that you need, not per se a wholehearted need. But you don't. You're not. You know, Green Bay is not taking a quarterback, even if he's the best position out there. Um. So okay, so at 26 is Seattle. This is where I have Conley going. The Legion of Boom is on it has seen better days. Richard Sherman is back for now. We don't know if that's a long term solution. The other cornerback, I'm forgetting his name, you know, now that Maxwell was is gone and has been gone for two years, got smashed, I believe, last year. And Conley, with help from Chancellor and Thomas, they're still I think it makes sense to go corner. Um I also think they may look tight end with Jimmy Granham as last year. The contract, but uh, I'm for here. This is where Conley falls to me. I absolutely do not disagree with you whatsoever. I just don't have Conley on the board anymore, and I have Tredavious White, a cornerback out of LSU. Again, LSU, yeah, for the same reason you did. Uh, they need a corner. Okay, so the Chiefs are looking here, and the Chiefs are one of those teams that needs a corner. Could use a quarterback. Could use an upgrade at the quarterback position. They have Alex Smith, but I, I think they've come to the understanding that Alex Smith has brought them as far as Alex Smith is going to bring them. And here we have Deshaun Watson staring you in the face. And although he's not the perfect Andy Reid quarterback, I, I think they do take Deshaun Watson here. Um, this is my fourth quarterback, and as you said, Watson is gone, but Deshaun Kaiser is not. And if Kaiser can sit a year, which I think he needs, um, you know, I watch enough college football. He doesn't strike me again. He's not a quarterback that's ready to go off the bat. But with a year, with a year or two on the bench and learning, I think he could become the quarterback that Andy Reid needs to take this team to the next tier. Um, so I have him going with Kaiser from Notre Dame. Okay, the Packers, uh, the Cowboys. 
Cowboys are obviously going defense. Um, I think I think they're at a point you either, you go best defensive player available. To me, it's either defensive line or secondary. That's what they need more than anything else. Um, the best player available to me is Derek Barnett from Tennessee. So I have Barnett going number ten overall, and you have Barnett going number twenty-eight. Twenty-eight. Well, I'm in agreement with you. I think you take the best player available here on defense. And with I I believe I probably have more defensive players picked in this draft so far than you do, based on the fact that I am looking up and down my board and I don't have any real defensive players left. Except for two. And I could see them going either way in this scenario. I could see them taking TJ Watt. Because I know Jerry Jones would love to say I drafted T.J. Watt. Or I could see them taking Jabril Peppers, who would fill a number of needs, including punt return. I'm gonna. I actually Watt for. I actually have Peppers, and I'm gonna switch that up and take and take Watt. I think they take the the linebacker here with the pass rush ability of of T.J. Watt. And now let's go to the Packers, and I have the Packers taking Jabril Peppers because they need to, they need secondary help more than any other team in the NFL, it looks like. They have Devon House, who has just come back, but other than that, they really don't have much in the secondary. Dude, we got five minutes left, so let's push through these. All right, I actually agree with you. I have Peppers falling a little bit further than I think people expected, partially because of the drug test issue. I have him going. I have him going as well to Green Bay. Wow. Uh, 30, okay. Thirty is the Steelers. Um, Steelers originally was thinking Ross, except I have him going earlier. I end up going with uh, Forrest Lamp, the lineman, the offensive lineman from um, from from Western Kentucky. Okay, so they go, okay, so I have um damn it, I can't remember his first name. I have Williams, the linebacker. Uh, Tim going Tim. To the Steelers, Tim Tim Williams, excuse me. And you I'm sorry, you had who? You had an interior lineman. Forest, Forest Lamp, the line yeah, the interior lineman. Lamp, who I actually have going to the Falcons. Okay, I have Williams, they lost Lawrence Timmons, they just re signed Ryan Shazier. They need help in that linebacking core, so I have them saying Tim uh, Tim Williams. The Falcons, the Falcons always need offensive line help, always. So I have them taking Lamp, uh, the guy that you just spoke of, uh, in the interior line. And when you're in the 30 to 31 to 32, this is where your value comes for interior alignment more than anything else. Yeah. Um, I would debate it back and forth between a couple people for, for them, Garrett Bowles, uh, Malik McDowell. I went with a little bit of a safer pick. I went with Charles ha- Charles Harris, the defensive end from Missouri. Okay, and with the last and then with the pick last, of the draft. For the first round. Um, yeah. New Orleans, we talked about how, since they're not trading for Malcolm Butler, they have a pretty big need for uh, for cornerback help. Hell, they always need help, have defensive needs. I have them going Tredavious White from LSU. 
Now, this pick was traded. Brandon Cooks was traded for this pick. I think they replaced Brandon Cooks with Corey Ross, who basically is Brady Cooks, just four years younger. So I think that they just replace him with the younger version and a guy that's not going to need a mega contract next year. So we have a couple of minutes left, two more minutes left. Let's just send out our condolences. I think you have more to say right now, so I'll let you kind of go uh, considering what's happened last week. We we spoke a lot about last week. Um, Condolences to the Alexander family. Condolences to the Steelers. Art Rooney passing away. And quite frankly, I don't even remember what I said last week on the show. I was so tired. I had just got up and set busy during tax season. So I don't remember that. But we do have one minute left, and I would like to say something. Next week, we will be talking about a very interesting topic as to whether a person as a fan can ever overcome what a player does off the field. Can you ever become a fan again of that player in spite of what they have done off the field, off the field transgressions? We have about 30 seconds left. Before we leave, by next week, my co-host will have turned 41 years old, so I would like to wish a very happy birthday to Seth Kamins, who we will see next week on Tuesday. For Seth Kamins, this has been Sean Palmer, Seth and Sean Sports Radio, Blog Talk Radio, and tune in next week to see how poorly I did on the NFL mock draft. Can't wait. Have a good one, everybody. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, avoid, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus.